Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Thursday, Dr. Paul. Very good. We hear thank rain you. in the studio. We haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> That's it. Wow. I'll tell you. We, need we needed that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little late for some of my stuff. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, I, I guess it is, globe is warming up. Yep, that's right. No more rain. <laughs> at least at least this spring it was a little warmer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they don't even brag about that anymore. They want climate change and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I uh, want to start off with talking about that major event going on, uh, you know, uh, the the, um, the meeting on uh, G7. Yeah, the and NATO, the NATO summit. Yeah, NATO. And uh, guess there are winners and losers. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> I would say that the American taxpayer is the biggest loser. The biggest loser. <laughs> but we had a loser giving us the report. <laughs> now, there was an interview by... Uh, you know the president and uh, the, the New York Times person was pressing me. He said, "How long? How long will it be there?" And the American consumer is suffering from some of this. And uh, at least the New York Times was implying, you know, all that activity and spending and his regulations are, are really the cause of all this. So, uh, and New York Times is supposed to be his buddy. Uh-huh. So, uh, but but you know, Biden doesn't mince words. He says. Uh, he, he didn't say maybe or I don't know or we'll study it. Or, oh, I'll get back with you. Yeah. That, that's I mean. Let me get you back, back with it. He said that they are going to be there uh, as uh, as long as it takes. <laughs> but he, he didn't tell it what, when is the end point. What, what's going to take when we totally destroy the country or, or just what it is. But the policies are going to continue. And the fact that... Uh, uh, it was implied that the American taxpayer uh, should be considered on this. Uh, didn't seem to ring a bell with him. That that part wasn't suggested. So I suspect that uh, he was being pretty much upfront with us. He would, uh, he didn't say next week it's going to be over or next month or next year. This can't go on forever. But he's saying well, maybe it's forever. You know, it's just going to continue. So that, that to me, is, is bad, bad news, but uh, it's nothing really new news. It's, uh, it's what we would have expected. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing thing. And I think the reason, I mean, it sort of opens the door to talk about economic problems, you know, and I think a lot of people want to hear what you have to say about it. But, but you're right, it's, it was a press conference, and Biden doesn't do a lot of those. And from you could see the setup. He got his own special teleprompter. The questions, of course, were all pre-prepared, pre-read. He knew exactly what was going to be asked. So it was kind of theater. It was kind of a Potemkin press conference where you pretended, oh, hey, Joe Blow, I didn't see you here. What do you want to ask me? And he already know beforehand. And here's the answer. Ask Joe Blow. (laughs) So anyway, so what it was, it was a New York Times reporter. And actually, why don't we play that clip? Because he asked Biden, how long should we expect to be paying these high gas prices over Russia and Ukraine? And the answer, to be honest, was surprisingly honest from Biden's perspective. That first, let's hear what he has to say. And how long is it expect, uh, fair to expect American drivers to continue to hit a premium because of this war? Let me hear the second part of the question was, would it bring uh, down the price? Will it bring down prices? And. and the war has pushed prices up. They could go as high as $200 a barrel, some analysts think. 
how long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? As long as it takes. So Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. So how long are we going to pay? As long as it takes, implicitly, he's saying, to defeat Russia. Well, Russia is not being defeated. In fact, the opposite is happening right now. And, but I think, I, I don't know how you feel about that. It just seems to show me how out of touch the political elite are. I mean, I went to the gas station yesterday for the first time in a long time. I didn't fill my tank. I just, I just put in $20, <laughs> right? I barely got home on that. And so you can imagine, it, it just seems to me they're so out of touch. You know, there's another statistic that could have come out, you know, to answer a question like that. It didn't, didn't come out, but I suspect the American people are starting to realize that uh, there are some beneficiaries here. Well, they don't know so much about the military-industrial complex and their requirements. That's a, a, a big uh, beneficiary. But the other one is... The, the amount of money Russia's making in profits, you know, uh, and, and that, that in a way is a result. Uh, people have difficulty separating, you know, the business cycle and the damage done by the Federal Reserve because those signs were already here even before COVID. But COVID has added to it in uh, Ukraine. I don't know, sometimes, some days I've even suggested that maybe those things are deliberate to distract from the cause being totally, you know, uh, uh, due to the Federal Reserve. But uh, the business cycle is there. It's a distortion. Some uh, There's a transfer of wealth. One group uh, gets benefits. The other one suffer. And this uh, this was sort of a, a regulatory thing and dealing with the, uh, a, um, uh, with, with the price controls. But it, it, it really represents the same principle that happens in inflation, that uh, some people benefit and some people have to pay the bill. In this case, uh, <laughs> the beneficiary, the, people, the profits are going, going to the Russians. Yeah, and, <laughs> so, yeah, Russians. and, and it's, it's, you know, it's part of the uh, malinvestment that occurs with inflation. It's the uh, uh, you, you know, un, uh, unexpected consequences, unintended consequences. That happens all the time, and yet, you know, they, they never admit that this whole idea of economic planning just doesn't work. They can do this and they do A, B, C, and this is going to happen. It essentially never happens. And uh, yet they keep doing it and say, oh, you mean uh, inflation is causing these problems? Well, let's double it then. You know, let's double the printing of money. And, if, and they've been doing that. And uh, of course, the consequence, I don't know of any reputable Austrian economist that was like uh, all of a sudden aghast a couple years ago and say, oh, we never expected this. This even reminds us of stagflation. This even suggests the possibility of a, of a deflationary depression, you know, uh, at, and, and yet do they go to the Austrian economists and ask these questions? No, they don't want to because that restrains one thing. They might know it and understand it. It restrains the growth and the control of big government. Because this whole monetary system and the military system, our foreign policy is designed to protect a very, very wealthy class of people. And, you know, he continued on this same vein in the press conference today because he actually doubled down on this idea that all the problems we're facing right now in the U.S. <laughs> uh, with prices and inflation are all due to Russia. In fact, he repeated it three or four times. And let's go to that next clip. And before you play it, I'll just read, because this is a tweet. 
If we can go to that second tweet clip. There we go. Joe Biden, the reason why gas prices up is because of Russia, 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 Russia. <laughs> and, the, and the person who tweeted said, fact check. The reason why prices are up is because of Biden, Biden, <laughs> Biden, Biden. Let's listen to what he has to say here. Ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. Russia not allowing grain to get out of Ukraine. So Russia, Russia, Russia. But here's the problem, Dr. Paul. Um, and this was reported. This is a, a um, we can actually put on that first clip here if we can. Uh, the first just regular picture. And this is from, uh, this is a Forbes writer that was published in the NASDAQ journal. Gas prices were already rising before Russia invaded Ukraine. And this is from March. So it's basically revisionist history, Dr. Paul, that all of a sudden everything is going hunky-dory. We're having a wonderful time. Prices are nice and low like they were under the previous president, to be honest. And then Russia decided to invade and prices went through. That's simply not the case. Prices were in the upper $3 range before the invasion took place. Now, they have increased for a number of reasons, but it's not... It's just not factually accurate to say that this is because of Russia, 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 Russia. However many times you repeat the word Russia, it's not sticking in. And we've covered this before because there was an NBC poll that was done in April. And there have been some subsequent polls, but this is the first one that I pulled up. Only 6% of Americans polled by NBC, not Fox, NBC, believe that it's Putin's fault that prices are rising. So he's talking to an empty room, essentially, and I just wonder... He's not reading the room right, at least. You know, that, that is pretty amazing because uh, just think of the incidents where the propaganda was much more thorough and convincing. To get the American people really riled up, uh, you know, so quickly after World War II that we had to send the kids off and many of them being killed, uh, you know, for Korea. Yeah. Uh, which all, all they needed to do was say, well, is it a declared war? And things would have been slowed down. But then there's also the Vietnam War, another war not fought on, on carelessly. And no, it, it just marched on the propaganda and uh, we had to stop the domino effect. Uh, but, you know, they, they uh, finally lost uh, confidence and that's when the American people woke up. But not until after a lot of tragedy. But you'd think that would have been the last time they needed to learn a lesson. But no, they keep coming back. And the Bush years, what were they doing? Yeah, I mean, how many different wars were we in? One big war, and that, that was to remake the Middle East. And uh, that wasn't very successful. So they, they keep coming back and doing the same thing and think that they can do it. And yet it's a total failure. And uh, it's brought us to this point where I think more and more Americans are going to realize that uh, we live in very different times than any living soul on this, on this, uh, in this country right now uh, can remember, even those who remember the Depression and other things. I think what we're facing is, is major. Yeah, and not getting any better, regardless of what they claim. Well, the second is a related piece, and it's also about uh, the press conference. It's also about the end, uh, the result of the NATO summit. And uh, that was number two that we had. <clears throat> uh, the first one, here's another big, the, the other big event that happened, is that Turkey, as predicted, withdrew its objections conditionally to Finland and Sweden joining NATO. And uh, we talked about it before. 
we suspected uh, Erdogan being no dummy, unlike most leaders. He saw an opportunity. Hmm, we have a veto power over this. They want in. What's in it for us? And you got to kind of tip your hat to him. But here's what he got out of it. He got those F-16s that he wanted. Remember, all along, the U.S. said, no F-16s because you bought Russia's S-400. Those are not, in, those are not mutually operable. You can't have Russian mis uh, defense systems and American F-16 planes. Well, they said, we'll see what happens. And they got their F-16s, number one. And number two, <coughs> according to Turkey, Finland and Sweden are harboring uh, people from, that, from the region, from Turkey and the region that Turkey considers to be terrorists. PKK, the Workers', the workers uh, Party, uh, they consider to be terrorists. They said, we need you to extradite these people down to us. We're going to have to do a little bit of justice with them. And they said, okay. So Turkey said, all right, you guys can come in NATO. We're going to make sure you do it. Trust, but verify. And trust me, he will verify. But it's just kind of interesting that Turkey got everything that it wanted, as could be, as could be expected. And we have... Um, from, a press, from, from uh, Stoltenberg, the Secretary General, here's his kind of summary of everything. We can put that next clip up. And I think you had that from a, from a Zero Hedge article. But here's a very simple. Here's what Stoltenberg said about Putin. He wanted less NATO. Now President Putin is getting more NATO on his borders. That sounds very smart to me. You know, hardly. But... You, you know, you, you, you mentioned that the Turk, uh, Turks were the ones that said, what's, what's in it for us? <laughs> but, well, you, you know, they get a couple plus points for that. But what's sad is, why, does, why has the Swedes rolled over? And they're not asking that question. What really is in it for us? I mean, they're not going to be ever able to have enough weapons, you know, to, to confront a real invasion with Russia. And if they believe that's on the on the horizon, I think they're being misled. But if if they want to, you, you know, follow the course that they've had in the past and look for peace, they're much less likely to be a key, uh, you know, attacked by Russia. If we don't go, if we didn't get to go in in the West and NATO and everybody pile up on those West, right there close to, to that, that, that once again will be the same incentive for what's what's going on in Ukraine. It's because uh, we uh, ended up doing things that we more or less promised that we wouldn't do, and then the Russians have reacted to yeah. it. So yeah, that's that's a sad story. I don't know uh, exactly what what has happened there, but uh, uh, they should have asked that same question. <laughs> well, we always seem to get the loser Nordic politicians as heads of NATO, unfortunately. And here's another... This just shows what a dim bulb he is, because anyone with, with you know, a, you know, any kind of sentience would look at this quote and say, there's something wrong with this. Because basically, so the first part is right. He wanted less NATO. Putin did not want NATO on its doorstep, as we would not want an aggressive uh, al-Qaeda government in Mexico, right? <laughs> Doesn't want it. And so what do they get? They invade. You know, they attack Ukraine because the U.S. keeps saying, and, the, and NATO keeps saying, we're going to let Ukraine in NATO. And so they said, okay, we're going to attack. And so Stoltenberg, not having learned the lesson from this, says, oh, yeah, well, we're going to put even more NATO on your borders. Talk about opening the door to completely pointless attacks. I don't think we're setting a very good example. You use the example which 
theoretically should be a good example about we wouldn't tolerate it if that was occurring in Mexico. But I keep thinking a lot of people believe they're, well, they're really not in Mexico. They're in Texas. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> and they're, they're coming across. You, there's no way to know how many are good guys and bad guys because in spite of how messy this is, I can't help but think, you know, what it must be like when governments have screwed things up so badly and there's a lot of natural incentive if a person has a decent job and they're protected by a system of liberty that they don't go off looking, uh, you know, for more trouble. But the conditions were such that uh, they are and they're marching in and, uh, and, and, and the more we have this type of policy, the, the more chance there is, you know, to have uh, the, uh, the enemy forces right on our border. Yeah. Or right now, a lot of people would agree with this statement. Yes, they're here. Yeah, they're here. <laughs> There's yeah. been an invasion. No, you're right. We can't almost can't even use that as an analogy anymore. <laughs> but the next segment we want to talk about a little bit is this caught our attention. Um, and we'll call this West Point or Woke Point, <laughs> because there were um, three pretty distinguished uh, retired senior officers, Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney, uh, Major General Paul Vallelee, people probably familiar with him more than the others, and Colonel Andrew O'Meara. They sent a letter and they signed it, Concerned Graduates of West Point and the Long Gray Line, which is the history of West Point grads. And they brought up some things that they're pretty concerned about, Dr. Paul, that basically West Point kind of the last place you think of as a hub of wokeism, this is hardly Portland, right, has actually become infested with cultural Marxism. That's at least what they claim. Yes, and, and the people now coming out and uh, expressing themselves uh, in the uh, retired leadership of, of West Point, uh, they, they, you know, went to their early years, high school, college, and, and, and all in a different period of time, and they obviously have not been, uh, uh, you know, snowed with this whole thing about uh, the wokeism. But this, this is a, a, a big, big problem. Uh, you know, the uh, thing that ends up with uh, wokeism getting a toehold in there is just it, corruption. It, it really corrupts the system, the corruption of the concept of personal liberty and why we exist. And that's why that's been eroded here in this in country. So what do they first start on? The educational system. Yeah. And that's, uh, we touched on that yesterday with our interview. And uh, it's, it's the educational system that becomes uh, corrupt. But what about the justice system? How many, how many uh, people would uh, think that, uh, you, you know, the justice system really doesn't exist when you think of some of the, some of the investigations and trials and going on and the treatment of people like Assange yeah. and Snowden, uh, uh, do we really have a justice system? And then when you look at, uh, is, was there justice on the people that were caught on television of burning and stealing and robbing right out in the daylight yeah, yeah. with people, with police sitting there in their cars yeah. and you know, and it, it was happening. So that, that again is, is the more of the corruption. But now, it's it's in the in the military. It's not a. It shouldn't be a surprise to it. It's an infiltration. So it is a. Uh, it's an idea whose time should not have come, but it has been infiltrating. And the only thing that I can see that can counteract that is an, another idea that we can spread, and we are spreading it to counteract this. And that's what this uh, little little letter, this significant letter written by the. Uh, uh, 
by the military academy and, and pointing this out. So, uh, yes, I, I think it's ideological, but right now the infiltration and the corruption is pervasive. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it starts already really probably even, it was shocking when I first heard the, of what some of the radicalism that were taught to kindergarten. Yeah. You know, early on, you get into this radical environmentalism and the, and the rest of it. Well, you know, on one hand, you'd think that, oh, this is really unusual. You wouldn't expect a military to be so infested with this. But look back. I mean, Trotsky, probably the revolutionary, you know, all the neocons in the U.S. on the left and right, that is their icon. Trotsky at the Russian Revolution, the Soviet Revolution, said, I want the Red Army. And he was given the task of rebuilding the Red Army. That was their number one goal. Because if they could take that army and turn it into political tool of the regime, which they did, that's how you win. And that's what gave you, of course, Stalin and the purges and the death camps, etc. So that's what we're seeing here. That's a number one target. And General Vallow and the others, to their credit, are pointing this out and raising the issue. And our friend uh, Colonel McGregor and others have also talked about who've been through West Point. Let's put up this next. This is from the article. <coughs> and this is from the letter. This is uh, Vallow Lee in an interview about the letter, he said, we wanted to challenge the leadership of the academy and the Defense Department on their woke actions. Critical race theory, diversity training, and other discrepancies in the academy. We found it pervasive at the Naval and Air Force academies, so we knew it was directed from the highest levels of our military leadership. That says a lot, Dr. Paul. This is coming from above. They have uh, something very clearly in mind, which is to remake the military into this woke image. And they talk about forced vaccines and a number of other things, the teaching of critical race theory in these courses. Forget about how to beat the Afghan army. We got to have plenty of critical race theory, maybe some gender uh, discussions as well. You know, um, force is used by the authoritarians to make people obedient. Now, there was a lot of force used, you know, during COVID to make people toe, toe the line. And uh, Trotsky was on the right track, though. Eventually, though, the people become more militant in opposition to it. And uh, therefore, the government has to respond by showing that they have the strength. So they go to the military. Uh, and uh, up until now, they've been able to... Uh, have enough pressure on the corporations where the corporations were the police the police enforcers they would do it because there was uh, so much that the uh, federal reserve system and the financial system and the uh, finance you know the uh, spending can can force the corporations to do exactly what they want but now with with this this is hope this stops this nonsense about you know woking the the yeah. military because uh, that means in in many ways if the people rise up against them and the people eventually will and they're starting to that we might need more than just uh, cooperation from some of the corporations because when the bankruptcy is in full swing the corporations won't as have as much to lose they yeah. would have lost it by then and then it will shift from the financial controls to run the system over to you know the militant uh, approach uh, the the, uh, the the everything from the Gestapo to uh, you know the Centurion is yeah. going to come in and, t and, and control the people yeah well, well we'll keep an eye on this for sure I guess our last little segment is a little bit of humor I mean we need a little bit every now and again and I'll, I'll kind of set this one up because you know they had the G summit meeting the G7 meeting sorry 
and they all got together at a round table, all the leaders, and they were having going to have a photo op, and they were making a joke about, uh, I think it was Boris Johnson, we should take our coats off, and then Trudeau said, we should take our clothes off. And in fact, we do have that. First of all, it shows the um, immaturity, I think, of some of these people. We've got to show that we're tougher than Putin. It just shows how, how petty and absurd they are. It's a, it's a video clip, if we can put that last one up. It's about 30 seconds long, I think, and you can hear them joking. There's a lot of chatter, um, but you can basically get the, the, the main point if you have. Here we go. We've got to show them our pecs. It shows how puerile they are. But, you know, Putin was asked about it. What do you think about them saying that, you know, they want to be tougher than you, so they want to take their shirts off? And, <clears throat> of course, he knows how to make a good joke, too. And here's, put that next clip on, because here's what he said. Western leaders would look disgusting, topless, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And the main reason I sent this to you this morning, Dr. Paul, because I know that you would like this quote, whatever you think about Putin, because I know you would agree. Put this next one on. This is from that article. He said, speaking to reporters, Putin reported that unlike him, Western leaders abuse alcohol and don't do sports. Quote, I don't know how they wanted to get undressed above or below the waist, he said. But I think it would be a disgusting sight in any case. He noted that to look good, quote, it's necessary to stop abusing alcohol and other bad habits, do physical exercise, and take part in sports. That's not bad advice. <laughs> you know, it seems like there may have been a shift because when the Soviet system was, you know, up and in much control, they were the ones and the Russians were seen as, you know, totally alcoholics yeah, you know, yeah. they, that's all they live with and now just think of our society now it, it's alcohol but it's all these other drugs yeah, too yeah. And, and it looks like the russians are might be better off in in that that regard but you know the uh, uh, the whole 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 thing is is that uh, they wanted to uh, uh, do this uh, and the the uh, americans in invitation you, you know they, they wanted to, you know, get us built up so that we could resist it. But I, I was just wondering, I have a suggestion. <laughs> it's a lousy one. I think it all should be settled with arm wrestling. <laughs> I think it should be Biden against our president. Oh, that's not fair. So may, maybe... Trump could fill in, <laughs> and they could be. Oh, have, yeah. <laughs> Trump could fill in, and they could have arm wrestling. But should you know, uh, boy, boy, that much at stake over an arm wrestling? Well, it might be a lot less risk than the risk we have now. Yeah. You know, there's there's uh, too many arm wrestlers against liberty in this country. We wouldn't know who 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 are the real arm wrestlers are. You you know, the woke people in this country, <laughs> or the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. You know. Well, I, you know, obviously Putin is pretty astute. He knows that Boris Johnson himself, who was suggesting they take their clothes off, has been in trouble because, remember, during the COVID lockdown, he was having all these wine-fueled parties <laughs> in his office where people were drinking and passing out, you know, so it's probably pretty good advice. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be on the cover of the swimsuit model uh, myself, but if you look at Boris Johnson, here's that next picture. You can see that he's not that far off in his uh, assessment of the... I mean, uh, the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, this is uh, Boris Johnson, hardly someone to show off his pecs. And I don't like making fun of people's physical appearance. However, he did open the door to that. And I'm going to open the door in my closing, Dr. Paul, to something even more fun. And that's our last picture, our last clip, Anatomy of a Police State. Uh, tickets are selling. We haven't. 
next week we'll start um, announcing some of our speakers and we'll have them, we're going to get a couple of them on the show to talk and get people interested. But we've had a lot of interest. A lot of people want to join the host committee uh, and take part in the VIP events that are around it. And those are always such fun. Um, and I'll put a link in here for how you can get more info on that. Almost full, actually, the host committee. Um, but we're, we're, we appreciate it. But you can still get your tickets. Uh, you can still get your early bird special through the month, the coming month of July. A, a great bargain, a great time. Uh, and I, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to it, Dr. Paul. Well, I would think this would be a key time to come to a conference like this because things are moving so quickly, you know, in the news, in the economics, uh, what our governments are doing, uh, wars going on. And uh, have a few experts uh, give us analysis I think would be very, very important. And our conferences have been very successful in the past, and uh, there's something that there should be a lot of enjoyment, but it's going to be very serious, too, because we're going to be dealing with serious matters. But we're also uh, wise enough to th know, realize that ideas are the important issues, and if we're on the right track on what uh, we're working for, and that is protection of uh, individual liberty, because we believe that is the road to peace and prosperity. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.